Hey everyone, welcome to the Riverview Conversations podcast. Before we get started, we just wanted to take a few seconds to let you know that today's conversation was recorded a few months ago in November 2021. We've been sitting on it for a little while as we've been planning the future of the podcast, and now that we're back up and running again, we thought this would be a great chat to share with you. So without further ado, this is Welcome to Parenting. You're listening to Riverview Church Conversations, a podcast for the spiritually curious. Hello, welcome to the Riverview Church Conversations podcast. Hello, Reese. Hello. Hello. It's been a while. Oh, it has been a while. We have been on hiatus. I have been on, well, I haven't really been on. Right, I did take some time off. I feel like we've all taken a bit. We've we've just taken a break from our podcasting duties to tend to our lives. Yeah, it's been a it's been a busy time, a, a, a good time, but a busy time. So mm. it's meant that some things have um, fallen by the wayside. Mm, so apologies to our. No, don't apologize. Don't apologize. Sorry. sorry. No. Um, Condolences to our. No, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do I do then? How do you do a non-apology? It's like <laughs> we do not apologize. I accept having... <laughs> that our absence may have caused. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're back. We are back, and yes, are. Um, excited to dive into some more conversations. How have you been over the last three months? Right? Yeah, this good, is like when you haven't good. seen someone oh, yeah, from good. high school for like ten years. They're like, so. How have you been? Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> have we talked about this before? Like the standard just kind of wrote answer where someone's like, how are you? And you're like, yeah, good. You know, just, you know, busy with work and the kids, you know. It's like, <laughs> I feel like that's the last three months. It's just like, yeah, you know, just, you know, ticking along. That's fair. That's fair. But uh, any anything new happening for you? Oh, both my children have had birthdays. Hey. Yeah, so they're they're technically another year older. Yeah. Edging closer to the double digits, one of them. Oh, yeah. Um. I don't know. Yeah, that's about it, really. It's all a blur. It's a big blur. It is a big blur. Yeah, look, the last three months for me have been a bit wild. Oh, we yeah, um, you've, you've we got... obviously had a child, wow. which is part of our conversation today, because <laughs> I need help. No, no. Well, yeah, but not desperate. No. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm you surviving. like you're doing all right. Thanks, Reese. There's other people who have uh, had uh, children recently around these parts who seem a lot more disheveled than you. <laughs> Maybe I put a mask on well. <laughs> no, so we, uh, the last three months, we've had a little uh, baby boy uh, enter our world. And we also decided to buy a house race. So they say the two most stressful things do is having once. a child and moving house. So we wow. thought, why not just do them at the same time? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, how bad can it be? That's right. Well, I figure if you if it's already stressful, you might as well just make Stumble it up. ultra stressful <laughs> and get it all done in one. Mm. So it's been, um, it's actually been a lot of fun. Like it's been really busy, but I feel like I've, you know, when you're a single person or even married, but no kids, um, going home after work is great, but it's like, I don't know, there's not as much reason to rush off leaving work behind. Now you got a reason. I feel like now I've got more reason. <laughs> there's stuff to do with the family. There's stuff to do with the house. Um, and I've been kind of enjoying that, having like lots of extra awesome stuff happening in my own personal yeah, life. Yeah, your plate is all of a sudden full. Yeah. You don't have to make decisions about what to do. But it's full like, with oh, I the know good what stuff. I have to do. It's, not, it's not full with, you know, salad, salad, more salad. Yeah. It's full with, like there's chicken, there's beef, there's it's bacon. A, Sorry a, for the It's a veritable <laughs> smorgasbord of life. Yeah, that's a right. A sumptuous buffet of experience. That's right. So, Reese, 
Mm. The conversation today. Yeah, what are we talking about? Well, look, this was a bit of a personal conversation for me because I was, I, I've just obviously dived into the whole new wide world of parenting. Wow. And have begun to realize um, the complexities there. And, and we, you know, like over the last three months, I have learned so much and grown so much, but I've also become aware of all the stuff that's still there to learn mm. and the challenge of raising um, a child. Of which there are many. That's right. And they're constantly changing themselves. And so this is a bit of a conversation really where for me it's recognizing that I'm still on the P plates of parenting, uh, but recognizing that I'm always going to be on the P plates. I'm on the E plates. <laughs> what, your P plates got taken off you? Yeah, yeah, I'm on probation. Yeah. Yeah, Not but, actually on probation for any uh, child, youth, and family officers out there. But this, uh, yeah, this conversation, and, I, and, and we were talking a little bit about this, like what would it look like to really just kind of talk about the challenges of raising a family? And um, looking after young children as they change and grow as well, and as you change and grow, You're looking after <laughs> young adults as they grow. That's that's also true with parenting, isn't it? Uh, but we thought, uh, well, I kind of thought, who better than to talk about parenting than my parents? So really, this <laughs> well, my parents aren't here; they're in New Zealand. Well, so. that's right. So we had to get one of our parents yeah, yeah. in, and um, you know, I thought this could double as a therapy session for me. Well, you know, yeah. it's been a big three months. So we can <laughs> Tell me what through. to do. So hopefully, I mean, even if you don't have kids, we actually hope that this conversation is actually really helpful just in talking about next generation and, and handing on learning <laughs> yeah, and all of that Yeah, back stuff. your uh, generational hang-ups with that's, your parents and your kids. <laughs> well, that's right. We've all been a kid and we all have parents. So I feel like this conversation is actually probably a lot just to do with the dynamic of kids and their parents and the the maturing process of recognizing that your parents are just people as well. Yeah. I mean the beauty the beauty of kind of talking about it from that angle I think is that you you if if you're kind of if you are an adult yourself you're in a beautiful place to be able to if you're brave enough examine some of those things that maybe mm. questions about your upbringing mm. their upbringing and the two things meeting in the middle you know it's kind of yeah where it's almost like if you're anywhere in the age bracket, like we are kind of mm. 20 to 40, mm. you've got a golden window there to yep. potentially yep. illuminate some of the stuff that you've experienced in your life. Mm. Yeah, and the reality is we all had an upbringing, right? Whether it was mm. a good one or a bad one or a, you're not even sure as yeah. to what it was. We've, we've all experienced the process of growing up unless you're a seven-year-old listening to the podcast. Well done, you. <laughs> Uh, but we hope that this conversation is going to be valuable no matter where you find yourself. So why don't you take a listen to this? Well, mum, dad, thanks for joining with us on the podcast. That's uh, Philip and Lisa to you, Reese. Yes, Mr. and Mrs. Gagelin. That's yeah, actually, that's <laughs> preferable. Thanks for joining with us today. I mean, we'll... we'll get to hang out later at family night and things like that. But we we thought we would have a bit of a conversation today around parenting. And I thought, who better to talk to about parenting than my parents? Mm. And um, because I know Mine's all the things they here, did so, good and all the yeah. things they did poor. No, not really. But uh, look. Got a long list. We, we've talked before, Reese. We've yes. talked before about I've just had a son of my own. He's now three months. So I am well and truly on my parenting P plates. 
And so I wanted to just have a bit of a conversation today about the many things to learn because I'm realizing after three months that the learning doesn't stop. I'm never going to get off my pee plates. You're only just starting, sweetie. I know, I am. <laughs> and uh, the moment... Don't crawl before you walk. The moment I think I've like gotten good at something, my son grows and then I need to remaster something else. So I wanted, we, we thought it would be valuable just to sit in the room uh, with my parents and have a bit of a conversation around all things parenting, um, learning as you go, figuring it out because I'm realizing that we're all just doing our best. Winging it. We are. So icebreaker conversation. I'm interested to find out what was the hardest age raising kids? Now, obviously, each child is different as well. But what do you feel like the hardest age mum and dad was? Or Reese, maybe for you. Speaking... Oh, sure. I'll jump in there. I know exactly what the hardest age is. Now, you've got two kids, Reese. Yeah, August. Might... My son is seven, just turned seven on the weekend. Actually, his real birthday's tomorrow, but that's by the by. Violet is three, is three and she, man, she is, she has, she's really kicked on. I didn't know uh, levels of rage and anger were so, were like, were, were possible in such a small little girl, but nevertheless. She's proof that rage. So is your answer yeah. three years old? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. Yeah. Very difficult right now. But I mean, she's lovely. But yeah, it's certainly a time in our household. So this is going to be a... The half an hour before bedtime is a... It is a whale of a time, literally. <laughs> Mum, Dad, I toughest th- I age. I think that there are multiple ages. I think that's a very hard thing it is. to it is. answer. Because I think, you know, the baby stage, when you've got newborns and you're not getting enough sleep and you're battling with feeding and all of that, I think that's really tough. But then I also think the, yeah, the the what they you know the two year old two two year old terrors two to three probably is one of the the toughest ones seasons of a, a child as well um, but if you don't do it well then then it's the teenage years where that comes to roost and then you can have some really really difficult times during teenage teenage years I would have said the teenage years are probably the hardest of the lot because that's when you start to lose control, if you want to use that word, and I probably not the right word, but you know nothing suddenly. Um, like, fortunately, later you do know something. So when your kids become adults, they start to appreciate uh, their parents again. But there is that period where there's a huge amount of peer influence and you sort of have half lost your kids for a while and that's where you just have to have well, continue to do the things you do and do them well. And but, hope that those uh, early years yeah, have paid off. That's when the early years pay off because it's those early five, six, seven years mm. of parenting that will set them on the trajectory mm. for those later years and that's what will hold them and then they'll return. But well, I think teenage years were the most difficult. What was that quote that you had about that? Uh, yeah, a, a quote, if you raise your children, you spoil your grandkids and if you spoil your children you'll raise your grandkids. Sobering. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I remember when I was a teenager, I just thought my parents were so stupid that I I was the smartest one out there and I pulled the wool over their eyes, but no. Like, 
you know, of course not. My parents were grown people who had had mortgages and jobs and obviously raised two kids. So mm. yeah. they knew that. And who had also been through those teenage years. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and like you mentioned, you come back around and when you start to have kind of common, almost commonalities in the things that you're experiencing in life, whether it be bills or jobs yeah. or even parenting, you're kind of like, yeah. oh, yeah, they did know what they were doing or at least kind of yeah. knew more. Yeah, and I, sure. I think some of that is your kids at the end of the day need to learn from their own mistakes as well as from good advice and so on. And that's just human nature. We learn from experience. Hopefully we can learn from others' experience without having to to make too many mistakes ourselves. But I think especially the teenage years are those years where a little more rope is given and more mistakes are made. And hopefully if they're controlled and limited a little bit in terms of the, the quantity of the mistakes and the significance of them, then ultimately they've learned from those experiences and they haven't been too uh, harmful for them. Yeah, I mean, uh, like at the moment, been doing lots of work with teenagers, like within the youth context and the kids' context and probably recognising that for so many of them, their parents are the worst, you know. Like they're at that age where they're in the process of almost judging everything their parents do because of the implications it has on them. But I, I was talking to some of the older, um, some of the older lads kind of in youth and, and recognizing that I think maturity comes when you begin to almost forgive your parents, but also recognize that they're, they're people doing their best. And you actually almost learn to become friends with your parents. And I feel like, you know, even for me going through that process with you, mum and dad, over the last probably I don't know, maybe 10 plus years of, of moving from, I feel like I know it all and, oh, here's all the things, you, you know, and recognizing, oh, we're all just doing our best and you guys actually have lots of incredible life advice. And as you get older, you begin to realize, oh, these are good people that, you know, and I think that process of maturity takes time, but there's, there's, there's almost a humility to parenting where you're recognizing you're just doing your best and you keep showing up day after day. And and that's what I'm already beginning to realize in the really early days is that like Renee and I, are, we're doing our very best, but there's no perfect handbook as to, to how to raise kids. It's literally just every day trying to – and we're in the really – mum, you mentioned hard stages. I think they're hard almost physically, but they're really easy when it comes to the wisdom required and the – the discerning how to have this difficult conversation. Right. Yeah, because you're like providing shelter it's and a different, yeah. and it's a different type of challenge. Feeding yes. and yeah. yes. cleaning and that's kind of yeah. it, you know. Exactly, but knowing already that the challenges won't stop, they just mm. change. Yeah. And so they um, become psychological. Yeah, it goes <laughs> yes. from an, uh, a physical sort of challenge of mm. the workload and you actually having to basically raise this little one, you know, carry them everywhere and do everything for them to the emotional drain of trying to figure out the lines of when do I let go of control here and, and allow your teenagers to make mistakes or when, you know, and that's where it gets quite tricky. Mm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. he can't talk back at the moment. It's no. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, so three lads in the Gagler household. Yes, we had three kids under four. Yeah, I was going to say, like, if you if you track back to the Late eighties, early nineties. Like, what we did? You have any? What were as, we thinking? Why? Well, yeah, it was like. <laughs> did you have any hopes? Like, what we? What were? What was the general sense amongst yourselves as you were kind of embarking on the parenting well, I journey? Think a lot of other. We're involved in church, and so we're around mm. a community of people, and lots of others were having kids as well. Some had already had some kids; others 
within a few you years of us young, having children. Like fairly young we had as our well. children young. Um, and I think um, we always wanted to have the kids close together. We'd sort of decided that. Yeah, and we observed, I guess before we had kids when we were first married, we observed children leaping over lounges at 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night in, you know, <laughs> this undisciplined households and so on. And, and we were fairly firm in our own mind. We'd often say we're not going to parent like that. So we sort of had this view of what parenting was and yep. what it wasn't even before we had kids. The parenting journey began before you became That's right, yeah. yeah. And I think it is very much a mindset. It's about deciding what your approach to parenting is going to be. And I think we followed through pretty much on that. As Lisa says, I think the early years are just such a, a blur because of the physical toll that they take. And then it turns into psychological warfare (laughs) (laughs) once they're about 18 months old. Uh, But, yeah. 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 I don't think we weren't weren't planning to have them that quick. (laughs) It just happened that quick. Mm. So it was a bit of a blur, definitely, like I've often said about Ryan because he's the third of the 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 three boys. The one that you were really waiting for, third time lucky, you know. (laughs) The third. um, Is that right? That when he was born, honestly, I do not remember anything in the first six months of his life. Very few photos. (laughs) Hardly any photos. It was just survival mode really. That's all it was because I had, you know, like an 18-month old and a three-year-old at that point as well. I couldn't imagine And we that. moved house. So oh, yeah? two weeks after Ryan mm. was born, we moved house and Ambitious. Well. And then built a house. Yeah. But, but look, I think one of the benefits of having kids young mm. is that we're younger as, yeah. as grandparents and we yeah. were younger and physically more able yeah. Yeah. perhaps to parent. We, yeah. And also the boys being so similar in age, um, really became great mates and still are wonderful mates and enjoy mm. hanging out together. And siblings playing together and entertaining themselves actually is a blessing yeah, to parents. Yeah, it is actually. As yeah. much as I wanted a girl, which was my dream, <laughs> I, I wanted to have Rihanna two girls. <laughs> that was my plan, two yeah. girls. And I got three boys. I think God was just laughing. Oh, yeah. The hand-me-downs <laughs> um, would be, uh, there's a nice little kind of production line of hand-me-downs yeah. of toys yeah, and right. clothes and stuff. I never had any original really clothes well. myself. Never, <laughs> never got a new bike. <laughs> no. <laughs> but the reality of having three the same actually made it easier. Yeah, right. So, because mm. they like doing the same things. Mm. Yeah, and I guess, uh, you know, had I been born a girl, this is, I mean, this would be a very different mm. conversation, but you, in a way, you'd have to do a lot of relearning as well mm. in, in terms yeah. of raising yeah. a girl. And so I guess yeah. the fact that we were all boys probably did make it a little bit easier. It probably to go saved me. I, like, honestly, yeah. had, it, had it been different, you know, mm. like having the three kids that close and one being mm. different, I think would have been a lot harder to cope mm. with. Mm. I'm interested just to to kind of get practical and mm. discuss maybe some of your like top tips when it comes to parenting and not just mm. from you and uh, you mm. mum and dad but also Reese from you I mean you're yeah. like you said in the thick of things mm. with young kids um I mean I don't really have many top tips except just learn as much as you can <laughs> keep them alive point. and <laughs> yeah huggies alive. nappies excellent choice we tried some other cheap ones poor yeah they only only go for the cheap ones if <laughs> i mean you're and they're, they're pretty much the tips that i've discerned yeah. <laughs> at this point um but interested just to kind of hear from you guys about some of your tips when it comes to parenting and, and of course this journey is a long journey it's not just you know the first 18 months it's it's all the way and and for you mum and dad you're still in the process of parenting mm-hmm. we're just 
adults now and now we talk about our mortgages and get us to help you with that. <laughs> well, and we're parenting the next generation, yep. which is the grandkids as yep. well, which I think is yeah mm. a unique experience. Mm. Mm. Did you want to, Reese? did you have any top tips? You wanna... Oh, goodness me. I feel like I'm just flying by the seat of my pants the whole time. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I think I would probably. It's really the most confronting thing for me is the is that you can't reason with children. So I probably I knew that in theory early on, but the reality of that was very very difficult for me to to grasp. So when August was, very you mean like being almost being rational and logical. Yeah. And, so, and obviously, like a baby, like it barely even knows that they're alive. Yeah, yeah. So you can't. So I that that was probably the biggest thing that I found um, hard to deal with early on. So I would probably say, I don't know how I would put that into a tip, but it would be just maybe don't be so intense about it. And it's easy to say with like mm. now having number two yeah. because the number one, you're just so on high yeah. alert. You want to keep the, the kid alive and thriving and you're… You're trying uh, to do your best. Yeah. And then when they like kind of get to two or three, I'm still pretty intense about it because I'm like, are they developing and is everything good? And it's very emotional. Is he on the spectrum? No, okay, then that's good. And so mm. like if I could do it or… or if I, but then I, it's kind of just my makeup. So maybe maybe the tip for me, the reminder for me is like actually have fun with it. Don't just kind yeah. of try and grind the journey of parenthood out. It's not some. It's not an achievement to necessarily be unlocked. It's or something it's, to work out. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. And I think maybe you got to be ease up on the number of parenting books you read. To be honest, yeah. there weren't that many around when we had kids, and I think that was a blessing in hindsight. Mm, there's too much yeah. information now. Mm. Yeah. Well, my my first tip, I guess, relates a little bit to what you were saying, maybe Reese, which is. Um, and, and it relates to what I said about us deciding before we had kids about our approach, and that is decide who's the boss. I mean, at the end of the day, you're the parent. You're, you're the one who has had 20, 30 years of experience in life and so on. You, God's given you this child to look after and make decisions for. So you don't negotiate and ask permission to change a nappy and all these new parenting approaches that are going on at the moment. Uh, and when you say no to something, it means no. You don't have to explain it or rationalise it to a six-month-year-old child. Now, later on when they're four, five or six and you're trying to teach them principles, sure, you explain things. But initially it is about um, being exercising your God-given responsibility as a parent to make decisions. And it will become a battle of wills as well. So the kid from a young age adopts the absolutely human traits of no, they learn to say no before they learn to say yes. And so it becomes a battle of wills. And are you going to give in to that um, and dote on your kids and do all these things that I think ultimately can turn toward bad parenting yep. is when you don't get that balance right and understand mm. you're the boss. Can I, can I ask a little bit about that as well? Because I feel like part of the challenge with that, and I, I totally agree, and I feel like that was actually even growing up with that wasn't a bad thing. But how do you hold that with the humility of recognizing that that I am going to make mistakes as a parent and almost learn to be quick to apologize and so that, you know, my son grows up knowing that I'm doing my best, but that means sometimes I'll get it wrong and need to be quick to, 
you know, you know what I mean by that? Like, so both being the boss, but also being okay about the fact that sometimes I'll get it wrong. I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. Like, but I think it's just at what you've said, Ryan. I think, you know, like we are all just doing our best and you do get it wrong at times, but I think it is just, you know, going to, obviously a two-year-old's not necessarily going to yeah. understand exactly all the complexities and that sort of thing. But as the child grows, I think there is times and there have been times, you know, in our parenting where we done things or said no or, you know, disciplined in a way that has probably been, um, you know, harder than it should have been and then you realise later and to go back to the child and sit down with them and have a conversation about it and apologise and say, look, mummy, sorry, I shouldn't have yelled, I shouldn't have got angry, that was wrong um, and explaining it um, I think is, is the best that you can do. And I think that probably does then help in the later years as you learn to become almost friends with your parents because you recognise that they were never trying to have it all perfect. And I suppose Just, it's also kind of this like dialogue and relationship that's continuing to, being, to be built in that. And I, I had an interesting conversation with August the other night, a couple of weeks ago maybe. Um, I have this habit of at bedtime kind of I hop into bed with August and we read a book and then I turn the light out and then I just kind of like we just um, chat for five, ten minutes in the dark. And so he was kind of like asking questions about why mummy and daddy were so angry that evening and stuff like that. I said, oh, why do you think? And he said, oh, because of our behavior. And so, But then that led to a really interesting chat about how we actually found ourselves talking about, okay, it's not actually your behavior that makes us angry and I'm we don't mean to be angry all the time but there are lots of things that we we carry and we're worried about and there's lots of things that mummy has to do and she's studying and so it's never it's a lot of the times the things the way that we react um it's basically we had a really interesting conversation about how it's not always about you guys doing things that make us uh upset it was kind of more about oh we all have things that we're worried about and we can get worked up and 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 it was I think it was one of those moments where you kind of like oh this this is a moment where we can actually have real discussion yeah. about kind of and often it is those times where you do do that exactly what you're talking about or you go back in to talk to your child and apologize for something that you've just got you know blown your top over it's those that are the really special moments where often it is that deep connection and you sometimes even get to the bottom of things that you never knew were there. Um, that you would never have found out, you know, like if you hadn't have done that. So I actually think those are really special moments. And yeah. yeah, I heard someone, I can't remember what it was, but recently talking about that, you know, we, we obviously encourage children as early as possible to understand their emotions and give language to, you know, I'm feeling tired or I'm feeling angry. But very infrequently do parents be honest with their kids about what they're feeling as well. Because I think that's actually sometimes maybe a helpful tool is actually saying, hey, I'm actually a little tired today and being honest with you so that when you're not at your best, mm. there's... <laughs> I don't yeah, know. In, the, in the moment it's it's often hard to do that but maybe it's something that you can almost kind of potentially be aware of and try and practice as they kind of are able to handle that kind of info because Violet just has no idea. Yeah, like yeah. that mummy's stressed because she's studying so she's a bit – so that's why she doesn't want to blow you up, blow a balloon right now, you know, and so yeah, she yeah, takes yeah. off and kind of wails. Yeah. The, the, the reality is is that as parents you're still – it's not like you – like you said, you have it all together, you've 
you've learned all the things you're equipped and now you go and parent. Especially if you're young parents, um, early 20s, whatever, or even just maybe just slightly immature, dare I say, um, when you begin your parenting journey, you've got to grow this person, but you still have more growing to do yourself. How, like, how did you guys find the, the personal, um, almost like those two things colliding? Your, your, your awareness that you have growth that still needs to happen in your life, there's things that you need to work on at the same time as parenting because those, that's, both those things are very confronting, but when you mash them together, it's almost kind of like you can, or sometimes like it's easy to get kind of down on yourself, but oh, I'm not a good parent. I'm not doing anything well. This is such a grind. This is really not what I signed up for. You know, I did you find that a, difficult? Well, I think, I mean, I was, I was fairly young. Um, certainly when we had kids, Phil's, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit older than I am. But um, yeah, so, I mean, I still had growing to do, but I think the thing was that we grew together. Um, so we would talk, you know, through a lot of stuff. Um, and you weren't so, well, neither of us, but particularly you because you were younger as a parent, weren't so I think um, sometimes established as, in yeah, her as own As you get routines. older, you're a bit more fixed, whereas I think coming into it younger, I was probably yeah. more flexible so and I, figured it out as I went sort And of I thing. think that's and, why maybe yeah. parents and so many people now not having kids until much later, but they probably struggle way more than they expected they would because it's such uh, a disruption to your routine and everything you knew and who you, even you, perhaps your sense of who you were. So we probably didn't have that so much because we had... Apologies for the interruption, everyone. We had a slight glitch in the audio. We'll pick it up from about 30 seconds later in the interview. Did you have another tip, mind you? I did. So my tip, I've got a few written down, but I think the first one would be consistency. Um, so this idea of if you say yes, do it. If you say no, do it, you know, like, so let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. Um, you know, there's that, there's a Bible verse in Ephesians where it's, um, talking to fathers and it's fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And I think that as exasperation or frustration or confusion comes in kids when parents are not consistent. So this idea where you don't follow through on what you say. So, you know, I guess for us, when we were raising you boys, Ryan, it was very much if I'm exhausted and I'm tired and you boys are playing up, I'm not going to say do this or blah, 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 because I'm too exhausted honestly to follow through. So don't say it, you know, like if, if you're not able to follow through on something, then don't say it because it just causes confusion in the child. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's a big one. Absolutely huge. And following through and doing what you say is all, I mean, there's an element of being true to your word, but your kids will work out if you're a hypocrite basically. If you say one thing and do something, they sense that very well. I remember when you boys were... Um, I don't know, probably five, six, seven in that range. But uh, a number of times we'd be all in the car and you were pretty ratty in the back seat and we would say, hey, look, if you keep going, we won't go to McDonald's, mm. okay? This is your last warning and bang, they would keep going and we'd say, that's it, we're not going and we'd drive straight past and there'd be absolute silence in the back of the car and that was it. Um, it there was no 
recanting or changing our mind on that on that day you didn't go to Macca's. And so, I mean, you don't have to do those things many times for your kids to work Amen. out that no amount of whinging, crying, no. crocodile tears, all the other things is going to yeah. change something. And the whole time is they were in control. Mm. They could have behaved. And that's the thing with a lot of this is you give kids mm. choices. You say... yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, age appropriate, but but even at the age of three or four, you can say, well, no, you can't have that, but you can have this or this. Which one would you like? Yeah. And so they get to choose between two alternatives, which either of which doesn't worry you and are safe, but, um, you know, crying and, and whinging and so on shouldn't yeah. really get their way because if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile yeah, exactly. with that. Yeah. And but I guess know, that's that's parenting in a way with, with the long term in mind as yeah. well because you know that whilst it might make today more challenging because we didn't go to McDonald's, everyone's a bit upset, you know that it actually makes tomorrow a bit easier when we have a similar conversation. Mm. That's right because I'll remember it. Well, you're teaching them also the consequences of the ground rules. So, you know, if they follow the ground rules, then they know what the consequences are for not following the ground (laughs) rules. Yeah. And Um, and kids need rules and that was another mm. tip I would have given is that what what you're teaching in – you're teaching limits and you need to impose and boundaries. And and so the whole of parenting is around setting boundaries of what is appropriate behaviour what you can touch or you can't touch and and that's a big thing for me. You know, kids who are let loose to go and get into other people's stuff and so on, (laughs) other types of families who who other families don't want to ever invite to their house. But, you know, you say um, you teach a child at at the age of uh, 12 months not to get into cupboards uh, and so on Um, and you won't have to put child locks on cupboards because they just know that's not the appropriate thing to do. Mm. So, so it is around, um, you know, setting boundaries. And a lot of that is also life for has their, boundaries. their protection It a is lot for of the their time. protection. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd love to a little bit later maybe we'll circle back to some of that because I'd love to talk, spend a little bit of time talking about freedom mm. and the role as parents in equipping children to deal with freedom because inevitably as they become adults – you do receive all this freedom. The question is, do you have the maturity to actually hold that freedom well and make those decisions well? And and I think sometimes as parents, we do the helicopter parenting thing and you have no freedom. Everything is, you know, I hold your hand across the street till you're 25 years old mm-hmm. as opposed to that process of giving them bits of freedom so that they can learn and grow. But I'd love to spend a little bit more time talking about that a bit later because I feel like, I mean, that's still a long way away for me, I think, in the parenting scheme. Mm. But I feel like that's a really challenging well, part. I wonder if parenting. like that freedom like also comes along, there comes a bit of worry. Mm. It's almost mm. like the side of that where you're mm. like, what if I well, if I do this, will they? You know, if I let them anxiousness definitely. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I remember I was my brother and I, we were allowed to hoon up the road on our bikes to the <laughs> to the corner store and get a liter of milk or whatever it was. You know, mum would give us the money and and I was probably, must have been five or six, but and then my nephew, who was fourteen, was not in Perth. Was he still wasn't allowed to go down to the mm. to Woolies to pick up a liter of milk? And, and, and I think it's also a very different world now it is, than yes. it was, yes. you know, like twenty years ago or yeah. forty years mm. ago, even. So I think yeah. that's you know changed. It's like I, I'm the worry that comes, the things that you lie awake at night over. Uh, do you, can you recall any 
things that you are particularly worried about kind of in general as parents, like things that you would kind of be like, oh man, this this is really concerning me, whether it be like developmental stuff or behavioral type stuff or something to do with school. Is there anything that kind of comes to mind when you kind of, when you think about things that you've worried about over the years? Uh, there's not a lot. I think there's, I'm just trying to think, you know, there's, I think one of the the things with our middle son, so mm. older son, Ryan's the younger son, middle one, um, I think middle child loses out on a lot, mm. you know, because they, they um, yeah, they don't, they're just stuck in the middle, you know, they don't get a lot of attention mm. at either end. So um, and our middle son is was highly intelligent as a as a you know young child and still is still, very yeah. <laughs> very intelligent but um also very strong-willed yeah right and so mm. that was the oldest one was very sensitive very um still is sensitive, very, <laughs> very wanting to please and do the right thing yeah. would always follow the instructions and then came along number two who was almost the complete opposite yeah, of that wow. and wanted to push every boundary which seems like a fairly common from what I've heard mm. in terms of families. Yeah. yeah. You were a middle child, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so as far as, you know, things that would keep me awake whilst I was, you know, in mm. that that mm. stage, I would often lay there and be praying for Sam, yeah, our right. middle child, mm. or go into his bedroom of a night and just, you know, like pray over him mm. and, you know, give me the strength, Lord, mm. to... <laughs> Parent this child, you pray well, over yourself. you know, <laughs> because it was a real battle. It mm. was just a constant battle of wills. Because um, I suppose ultimately, there's like you just don't really. There is no manual for that. You d- you don't. You might existentially have all the things you need, but in the moment, you just you don't know don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we found out with Sam early on, he was um, he's as you know he, he was actually assessed as gifted. Mm-hmm. But he also had some quite extreme ear issues and okay. throat issues so bad that he actually had sleep apnea and mm. he had a lot of ear infections. And so a lot of the time when we thought he was being naughty, he actually couldn't hear us. Mm. And uh, He's so probably feeling very unwell or something, yeah. Yeah, eventually we figured all this out and, you know, he had his tonsils out and had it, um, grommets, put, no, mm-hmm. grad no, uh, grommets put in his ears. And he was a different child after yeah, well, that. But then I felt really bad yeah. for being so hard on this little boy who was, you know, probably quite confused by what we were doing. So, um, yes. But that's where you can, again, you can only do your best, can't yeah, you? Yeah, that's, that's right. That's the process. I've heard lots of things like that about parents that it's not until months after they find out their kid had, you know, some mm. issue in their ears or their, yeah. their throat or like even that stuff is just so challenging because you yeah. – I think there's a general point there too beyond, um, uh, you know, medical challenges and so on is just personality differences between Mm. your kids. And and as a parent, you you pride yourself on being consistent and fair and what you do for one, you do for three. Mm. (laughs) It certainly was our experience. So if you help one out, you help three out. Um. But also doing that in a way that's appropriate for their circumstances and their personality and so on. So, you know, kids, uh, we never wanted 
um, our boys to feel like we favoured one or the other, and we never did. In mm. fact, that whole idea of having a favourite child, which no. you know, <laughs> some families seem to, yeah, but to but have, really, just guys, so <laughs> no, no, but, Ryan. But, you know, that whole thing. It just I can't imagine people doing it. But that said, you can't treat every child exactly the same when their mm. personalities and their needs mm. are so different and their ages are slightly different mm. as well and mm. unless you've got twins. And mm. their developmental, they're, they're de- you yeah, know, stages are different. different ages different. and different stages. So mm. um, and, and that is that is a balance because, again, as a parent you think, oh, now we're, Ryan has asked to go to such and such. Did we do that for the yeah, oldest yeah. one? Did we do that for the second one? Yeah. What did yeah. we do? And you're trying again desperately to be consistent and fair because mm. little little um, people have good memories all the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did or didn't do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just walking that tightrope is probably yeah. one of the trickier ones. My mother always said to us, "Fair doesn't necessarily mean equal." Mm. Yes, which was which would yeah. come out at like Christmas time or whatever. My brother's three years older than me, but but. Also in the, like you say, the developmental stages, yeah. like when my brother was 16, he was allowed to do certain things, but me as a 16-year-old, far more rebellious, with a different mm. set of circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so whilst the, the fairness kind of was pervasive, it wasn't exactly mm. the same. No. Yeah. And, 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 and I imagine as a parent, I'm not there yet, but you just have to kind of walk the tightrope yeah, a little bit. Too. And if you've got, uh, maybe it happens with when you've got three or four kids particularly, but the youngest always gets the free ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, get parent, they get parented by the oldest. <laughs> but I guess uh, that's that's a, a good point in the sense that like so much of parenting is contextual, right? And the problem I think often that I've witnessed and maybe one day will experience as a parent myself is when you take all of these rules out of their context and you start to go, well, this is the hard and fast rule for all of time. doesn't matter what the situation is. But recognising, again, your kids have their own personalities and their own stages and their own ages. And so the rule that I set with my four-year-old isn't going to be the exact same rule that I have with my seven-year-old. They're just going to be different because they're changing and the context is changing. I think the principles yes, should be yeah. the same. Yeah. But, mm. yeah, the, yeah. And the other thing is, you're right, context is more, uh, context is very big. There's Whether there's grandparents around, for example, we were fortunate when you boys were young that we had grandparents on both sides who were um, yeah, very actively involved and wanted to be um, around and so on. And that mm. makes life just so much easier um, you know, we, again, very fortunately didn't have broken families, which would add a level of complexity. Um, we had lots of good friends who had kids of similar ages, mm-hmm. had a great church community we were part of. So, you know, different um, parents will have different mixes of those things or lack of some of those things as well. So, mm. Which is why there's no hard and fast, well, this mm. is the way you do it. No. Because everybody's context is slightly different. Yeah. I wonder if we... If it might be possible to talk about parenting with respect to your faith life, because that's obviously like it's all very well to kind of call yourself a Christian, mm-hmm. but how do you do that within the context of the family with kids who are obviously not at the same place that you probably are, can't handle complexity in the same ways that an adult can? How did you find uh, being... Christian parents bringing bringing kids up to kind of to know God and understanding all the things that they seem to understand now. How how did you find that? Well, I think I mean I'll come back to my consistency point again. It's you know like I think kids want to see who you are, 
when you're at church. And for us, we've been in church, involved in church, you know, almost all of my life, most of your life. Since I was 20. And in, you know, leadership sort of roles within churches. Um, They want to see that what you are at home is exactly the same as what you are when you're up on stage or you're, you know, playing music or whatever you're doing in church. So I think there's a... um, a need for that consistency. And I think for us as well, the kids, you know, that they fitted into our world. So what we were doing, they were doing. So um, so we used to go to connect groups. Yeah. Um, and, and we would take, we had sleeping bags permanently in the yeah. back of the car. The kids would go to sleep. Yeah. Kids would go to sleep at someone's house and we'd bundle them in the car and bring yeah. them home. So, so and, it's about modelling in a way what... Commitment that sort and of involvement. Commitment and faith life yeah. can look like, definitely. And we were, we weren't, although we were in a Pentecostal church, so really a pretty active church and, and so on, we um, were probably not religious in our style. Mm. And so, again, I observed occasionally you'd be aware of someone who would, you know, get their whole family, all their kids together, and they'd do these praise and worship sessions in their house and sort of mini church and all of that. And and maybe that works for some, but it wasn't us to do that sort of thing. You know, our faith was a quieter and so we, you know, we certainly instill right. honesty and lived, Christian values. Well, I hope and, and that we would live out our faith lived with the it kids. Out and yeah. re, rather than being religious in a way that I think tragically in some cases actually turns kids Almost off church more than the opposite. Yeah, I was actually saying to Reese before you guys arrived, I was thinking a little bit about that and I feel like you guys really modelled faith in practice well in the sense that faith uh, was so down to earth and it changed the way that we lived and it changed the way we mm. would respond and it changed the way that we would, you know, move careers or, or change jobs or yeah. move cities or like faith informed all of that but faith was inherently down to earth, which I think is what Jesus is all about, right? Coming down to earth. It's, mm. not, it's not this distant um, theological reality that everything's so spiritual and we, we just talk about it, but it, well, I think yeah. it changed the you, way we live. You, you mentioned the moving cities thing and I wonder like, so you guys originally were in Newcastle, is that, is that mm. right? And mm. so you came to Perth yeah. when the kids were kind of mid-teenage mm. type years yeah. and... I'd be interested to know why I've I've heard it said that you kind of came to Perth on a word or or a kind of like step of faith type mm. type situation. How did that come about, and how did you involve the kids in that? Because I if my parents came to me and were like, "We're going to we're moving to Wellington because God told us mm. to," I'd be like, "Yeah, you well, are give, you are mad." I'll give you. Some Have of you the lost your mind? From my perspective, I still remember the time that we had our family. Gathering and chat, and I remember it didn't go well. No, no. Us, us kids, we wanted to start a revolution. We, we thought uh, that wasn't God. That was someone that's a else. That's massive, like faith yeah, step. Yeah, like it, yeah. But potentially not as big as if the kids are like single digits. You know, mm. you yeah. just kind of take them and go. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a big move. Yeah, there were, uh, but we felt really strongly that that Perth was where we were meant to be. And it wasn't something we had really thought we would ever do before. No. There were just circumstances happened and um, that sort of causes to really have to seek God about what how we should respond and what we should do. And um, and as a result, we felt 
we both felt we separately to, quite to, strongly. To come here, and just by chance, we'd been here on, or maybe it was God's design, I don't know, but we had been on holidays over here as a family. Oh, yeah. And and as you sometimes do when you're on holidays, you look around and you think, hmm, I oh, yeah. possibly live here. <laughs> you know, it's one yeah. of those experiences. I still Not remember that trip as well, actually. Yeah. Six months later, we'd be mm. doing it. But, yeah, look, I think we um, we... Well, we must have told you we were doing it. Well, you don't remember that. <laughs> I remember meeting. that. I remember well. the sitting. There were tears. Lots yeah, of tears. Yeah. Probably, yeah. I can well, imagine. Like, yeah. Zach's think, definitely. Actually, think, from all of us, uh, I think. Okay, okay. I think the boys were pretty mature, and they always have been. All three of you were very mature for your age. Always um, seemed to handle yourselves very well. And before you got onto this conversation, one of the things I was going to say was that uh, in modelling our faith. I think the kids' involvement, our involvement in church translated to our kids' involvement in youth group and so on. And so I put, I think that put them in an incredibly good position mm. for when we made a decision mm. as big as to move here yeah. for them to um, to handle it well themselves. And we did have a, a great friend who I know took the kids out for, whatever he took them out for, milkshakes or whatever and chatted through with them with mm. that sort of thing. So mm. we did have some other people around to to just help that process. But, um, again, we were going to do it as a family. Um, and, and I think that's part of it, Reese, because um, one of the other tips that I had was this idea of creating memories. Um, I think that that is vital to a lifelong family you know, um, living, you know, beyond when your kids, are, yeah, when they're not at, at home anymore and they look back with fondness on memories that have occurred throughout their childhood. So that's probably something that I'm really strong on, probably less so, Phil, but I'm all about like how can I create those beautiful memories for my kids and the memories don't have to be, you don't have to like yeah, it's nice to go to America and take them to Disneyland, sure, but they don't have to be expensive things that you do. So there's lots of different ways that you can create memories. But I think in relating to what we're talking about with that move, that family meeting and then this idea of as a family we're going on an adventure together was actually about creating a beautiful memory that even though it was a hard time, they look back on now with such fondness and, yeah. you know, the trip across the Nullarbor Plain with the dog in the back yeah, and three in kids the in the back the seat and yeah. the car packed up. Well, because I think I've heard each of each of you yeah. lads relay that story multiple times with there's, and there's always laughter and kind of madness mm. kind of well, told I, in the story. It, it well, seems like it, that even it, though it must have been difficult at the time. It's I, like I it, it is held in fondness. a good example of walking and acting in faith because mm. certainly for us it was an absolutely it massive was. move to to pack up everything and come mm. over here and all our family was still in the other side of the country and no doubt for the kids it was a it was probably their first ever big step of faith to have to mm. step into something mm. new and different and it's not something you know we're not whimsical people who do this sort of stuff all the time <laughs> yeah. Um, so it probably mm. was even more significant to the kids in yeah. terms of seeing their parents make a decision to do something yeah. uh, that I think you know, now, 17 years later, even though at the time we said to friends and maybe thought in our heart of hearts, oh, I'll be two or three or four years maybe, 17 years later. I think that's you know, part of the deal yeah. you told us that so that <laughs> we <laughs> could <laughs> happily come. Position them, um, you know, so differently, so... 
anyway. Mm. But I think as well that probably did um, make us take more responsibility as well as teenagers in terms of learning to make friends, new friends yeah. and, and with our faith and with our involvement. Well, there's and stuff. a lot of lessons that you learned in that yep. process really mm. that have actually made you who you are today. Thanks, Mum and Dad. <laughs> um, can we can we come back to that conversation around freedom mm. a little bit? Because I'm I'm just so because I feel like even a, part of my role here working with next generation, this is this is a huge part of the challenge is helping young people learn to make wise and healthy choices with the freedom that they're given. Now that freedom changes depending on your age, right? So I've heard, you know, the classic analogy is, you know, when you've got a four-year-old, you're going to hold their hand as they cross the street. When you've got a 10-year-old, you'll probably hold their hand as they cross the street, but you're going to talk them through the the process that you're going through as you cross. A 10-year-old boy, boy doesn't want to hold yeah, his mum's hand <laughs> crossing the street. 15-year-old <laughs> boys definitely doesn't want to. Um, but then what does that change? Now, is it loving when they're 20 to hold their hand as they cross the street? It's actually not. Because it's not helpful for their own learning and development and, you know, being able to deal with the freedom that they have at that age. So I'm just aware that, I mean, there's no hard and fast rules, but I'd love to just talk a little bit into that whole idea of how you give safe spaces for, like you said earlier, Dad, you know, um, for kids to make choices and to take responsibility for the consequences of their decision, but to do that in a way that's both safe but also forces them out out a little bit um, because I don't think the solution is just to go, well, no, you never make a decision for yourself ever. When you're 30, I'll choose who you marry and then you're, then you, you know, like that doesn't work. Um, nor does just when they're five years old going, you do whatever, you do you, kid, because they'll eat their way, I don't know. Yeah, I saw something on TV, bed. some parenting person was like, you need to ask the kids at all times if they're safe. So the three-year-olds up the tree are like, do you feel safe? I'm like, that's madness. <laughs> well, and, and this is the thing, right? Like, and, and I think God knows this is the story of so much of the scriptures is we need to learn how to handle our freedom well. I, I remember reading something recently and they would say if they wanted to execute, this is really random, if they wanted to assassinate an Egyptian prince or Egyptian royalty, they would say the easiest way to do it because often they were so young is they would say yes to whatever they wanted and they'd normally be dead by the time they were 19 mm. because they didn't know how to handle. So, mm. you know, you see that so often with celebrities mm. and mm. stuff like that. They mm. they people, get all of this freedom. People who come into money. Exactly, well, but they don't know how to handle it. And, and, so how and do, I think because one of the things you're teaching kids through, you know, we were saying before having boundaries in place and so on, is you teach them a godly Prince. Discipline, which is um, self-correction and self-control. I mean, you, mm. you read, Google the Bible, how many times <laughs> in the New Testament the word self-control comes yeah. up. It's absolutely top of the list. It's the fruit so of the spirit to, no one wants though, right? <laughs> but you're trying to teach kids self-control. That is the ability to control their own impulses and uh, which can, of course, lead them into wrong places, wrong decisions and things that they'll regret. So you're trying to teach them gradually how to mm. control themselves really. Mm. And a lot of it is around giving choices as we mentioned before. Yeah. So you, Consequences you, to and, things. And they've and, got to learn consequences yeah. because every decision you have, every decision you make in life as a human has a consequence mm. and it can be positive or negative or a bit neutral. And there's also learning one of the consequences is just an economic one in as much as an opportunity cost. If you do this thing, 
it usually means you can't do that thing, either by virtue of what it costs to do it or the time you have to do it. And so kids have got to learn that life is full of decisions that they need to navigate. They're going to have to make them through their whole life of things that have consequences, have opportunity costs, and you've got to help them with small decisions Mm. to understand the way they want to, you know, go in future. Yeah, and it starts small, you know, like so as a, you know, six, seven-year-old, you actually start giving more freedom, more choice, um, but spelling out to them what that choice will cost them. Yeah. So. Yeah, because the choice, what am I going to make in my life? That's something that starts with the lens of choice. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. And that's what we would say, you know, with grandchildren, we'll say, hey, look, we can go to the park and do this this afternoon or we can go and uh, get an ice cream at the shops or something. Which do you want to do? We're not going to do both. You can do one or the other. And so they choose. And later they may or may not regret, but that's all part of them learning how to navigate decisions and and so on. But that's giving them a little bit of freedom because it's actually giving them a say in what we do. One of the things we we were big on... um, when you boys were becoming um, teenagers was, of course, getting you uh, down to Maccas or wherever to, to work. start working. Yeah. And and we so, figured that, so that again, there's a whole period and it really is those teenage years when parents have some really challenging times around, do I start giving enormous amounts of pocket money? And, and when you hear some of the pocket money that parents give kids per week, it's staggering. Uh, for them to just go off and entertain themselves all the time, keep coming back and asking for more? Or do you say, no, look, when they become young adults and buying a house or whatever, maybe that's when we can afford to support them Give a bit them a more or help up. them. Yeah. But in the early days, they should understand the uh, the value of money and, and, you know, how much you have to work in order to get something. So all three of our boys started working Mm-hmm. Um, and Ryan, in your case, you were probably... I was highly illegal. I think I was 12 no, and well, nine months. <laughs> well, <laughs> so well in WA, there isn't the same restrictions. You would It would have been yeah, illegal true. in New South Wales mm. to have worked, but, here but you, you can work to. here. That's right. Just so stood were, on a little box. You were box. actually too short, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the counter. Too short wow. to work in the kitchen, so they got you to stand on a box behind the counter. Oh, that's right. Wow. But I, like, see, one of those, that, that's one of those things where I look back and I go, man, I'm really grateful that you guys almost pushed us towards that. And we, we probably did have a say in it, but our own say in it had consequences of not having money to That's buy right. the things. Well, well, you, well, you had well, a choice not to, to go and, and yep. get a job at Macca's, but it yep. meant that you wouldn't be able to go and buy the things that yep. you wanted to go and buy. But, but it, it worked at a number of levels. One, one is you had some income, at which you can then choose how you wanted to spend as well. You learned discipline of working and, and to be honest, as much as I don't eat Maccas normally, they're a wonderful place in, in terms of instilling uh, a working ethic, a work ethic and understanding teamwork and so on. So you've got all of that mm. um, and use of your time and, and all these things. There's so many life lessons mm. in that process. Exposed to many different well. types of people through the, yeah. you're not just working, yeah. but dealing, also the clients, yeah, dealing, the customers. Yeah. Difficult people who yeah. come yeah. into the store, all those sorts of things. So yeah. there's a real life lesson in all of that, really. The freedom thing is... Interesting. 
because you just can't do everything for the kids the older they get because there's so much more to wrangle and you kind of you progress in your life whether it be going back into work or doing different work and all that type of stuff so for august our seven-year-old he's starting to do things you know like make his own lunch and you know make his own bed and all that type of stuff which is kind of it's helpful but the other one that uh that i think has been quite good for him is that whenever we go out since he's been able to ride his bike he's been in charge of saying when we cross the road so if he says we cross the road and there's a big truck coming (laughs) we're all gonna get mowed down so uh so I don't know whether practically that's the wisest idea, but he certainly well, kind of early point, on learned that. At some point, they've got to learn how to cross the road safely on yeah. their own. So doing it with you mm. is a great way to do it because mm. you're watching at least their decisions and yeah. then can help correct or, mm. uh, you know, talk to them about, you know, maybe yeah. some of the choices that they and, might have made yeah. in that moment. A lot of that too, I just made me think that a lot of what you're trying to teach them is how to play the movie forward, mm. how to understand mm. if you do this, what might happen. Um, so, you know, um, if even something like crossing the road, uh, can you see a you know, car up the road or whatever, what's likely to is happen? Is it far and enough so on. away? Yeah. You know, is it safe so enough? So, kids to learning cross? consequences, and that's very much for their own safety because, again, when they get a bit older, those teenage years, particularly boys, I mean, there's just. No fear, and and how lots half of, of them lots of dumb survive. ideas, aren't they? Seriously, I mean, there's some really dumb yeah. stuff that people do, and it's because yeah. they don't think through the consequences. Well, and, and that's and that's that wisdom. And actually, at the moment, we've just been having a conversation with our youth. Essentially, the the tagline that we've been talking about for the last six weeks is the life we want tomorrow is built on the choices we make today, and really reflecting on that, I am the sum total of the choices that I make. So my choice to be intentional with this thing or not actually has an impact on what I do with my life, even if I don't connect that at the moment, you know? It's like the summer bod is made in winter, not in summer. It's very true. And that is why (laughs) I don't have. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, me neither. Um, All that being said, eventually the wheels will start to fall off and the kids will start to almost parent the parents. Mm-hmm. And you guys are not there yet, obviously. You got like oh. quite, oh, I'm quite a way to go. <laughs> I'm not. But have you guys thought about your own next steps? Kind of as parents, the aging process doesn't stop. Um, you want to make smart moves at the right time in life, whether it be career or uh, building a house, moving a city. Um, and the same kind of goes as you kind of advance in age. Have you guys kind of talked about that that whole phase for you, for you next? Because the one thing that I that I take from my grandmother who passed away a few years ago was that aging, the balance of power shifting in the family wasn't really talked about that much. And when it happened, it was quite traumatic for for not just her but also kind of my mum and dad, and then also us kids as well. So. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not sure we've talked about it a lot. We certainly will look at downsizing house at some stage. Well, you, and all that you both stuff, recently, well, r- mum, you're meant to be retired, but you <laughs> kind of worked. Dad, you I'm recently working. just retired yes. as well. And so a lot of that changed. was so that we could travel and enjoy yeah. doing Jokes on you at the moment. <laughs> I, think, I think, Reese, we, we have observed, you know, probably with both of our parents as well, um, this idea that you tend to keep living your life the same and it gets to a point where you've 
unfortunately, people seem to leave it too late to make some of those big changes. Mm. Um, and so I think we have had conversations definitely for us, you know, around some of those those big ideas of whether it be, you know, like going into a retirement village or, uh, you know, whatever, doing, that, stuff. You know, yeah. doing stuff like yeah. that, um, that you don't want to leave it too late um, because I think that's where it's, painful. Yeah, like if, if your mobility all of a sudden decreases yeah. suddenly, then then you can't do yeah. certain things. Then it's yeah. probably too late to downsize yeah. without in, doing it on yeah. your own terms. Decisions might get made for you yeah. if you can't yeah. at least kind of think about those things. But so. a good example actually of the navigating the changes and seasons of life is probably one that every family goes through like Christmas. Yeah, so, of course, yeah, when yeah. you have kids, um, you know, there's a point when your kids are young that Christmas Day is sort of centred largely around your family and stuff. Maybe you had to go off to your parents and then at some stage the baton got handed to you. Yeah, that's a really good point. And so for us, you know, we've been in a season where the baton was handed to us and even for extended family we would tend to be the come-to or go-to place. Um, but we're not holding on to that very tightly at all. So we're very, very happy for our kids to establish their own Christmas traditions and timings and we'll fit in with that. And fortunately, in both cases, again, on both sides of our family, that was well modelled. My parents and Lisa's parents were very comfortable to let that go and fit in however it worked, uh, which I guess is not the experience of some, some families, you know, these traditions don't break easily. But those sorts of things uh, where you need, you realise that the next generation have got to establish what works for them and they've got to be able to um, uh, come out from under your shadow. Mm. It's an interesting example though as well because it does really show that things are constantly changing, aren't they? Like and the the challenge of parenting or even being the, the kid at some times, it just changes as you grow. I think even for us, you know, this year is probably the first year Renee and I have had, well, it is the first year we've had our own son. And so now it's starting to discern, oh, what's the kind of things that we want to do, but still want to be a part of the the wider family. Yeah. Yeah. And so all of that is, and I imagine that only gets more and more complicated as you grow and as life changes and kind of making sense of all of those. Uh, I think also a big part of that as well is as, as the kids grow, you're still a parent, but less of a parent and more of a friend. Um, I think the nature of the relationship sort of changes. Yes, and I think um, it's appropriate that that age is. It's not appropriate yeah. for you to be your teenage son or daughter's best pal, which is the approach some parents try to take. Yeah, that's not it. You still need to be the boss in that situation and the parent. But later on, there's yeah, it, a, it a letting go that. That it is, it's you just and enjoy. so as your kids have their kids, you can't, you know, you can't tell them what to do, you know, like as far as how they should raise their children. So it's more we're there, we are happy to be as involved and, uh, you know, like answer questions that they have or help however we can. But ultimately, we have to let go of that sort of, you know making decisions for them. They they have to make their own decisions now. Um, and I when, think when does that happen, you reckon? Is that just, it just depends on, I guess you know when it happens mm. as parents in a way. I think it's often when you get married. I think that shifts. 
Mm. Yes, I, I think, think that's probably that's the trigger probably point the line. where you really yeah, don't feel you... as comfortable to be as directive about. Because you or... now have, you are now a couple and you have, you know, yeah. someone else to yeah. talk to, to figure stuff out with. So you don't go to your parents anymore. Yeah. And yeah. I think in marriages where the wife still does go to her parents, I think that causes huge conflict. Leave and cleave, yes. as they say. So, mm. Mm. <laughs> um, so what I've got... Maybe twenty plus years to go. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and then, uh, well, it depends on how young my son gets married, I guess, doesn't it? So, yeah. Mm. I was thinking about uh, a, a tip came to mind, which is if I could have done it all again, I would have done it ten years earlier. Uh, yeah. You know, I had all these things in mind. I was but like, I want to travel. I want to establish myself in my career, and blah blah blah. No, man, I would have just if I could do it all again. Yeah. All of those things can still happen, but yeah. just. To yeah. get it, to get amongst it, the benefits of having um, energy on your side, yeah. and um, well, we certainly were benefits. You know, that was a huge benefit for us, and we've loved having the kids younger, and and also and now being able to, yeah, as well. yeah, so, still having um, energy, but at the same time, very aware that it just for whatever reason sometimes it can't. You know, so I think you've just got to accept, you know, how that happens. But if if you do have a choice. You know, and you're able, then I would definitely suggest <laughs> do it while you're young. You've still got plenty of energy. As you get older, it gets harder. So all this to say that I'm going to be on the pea plates pretty much for the rest of my life. Never quite learn how to how to do it perfectly. I maybe by the fine. grandkids. Maybe then you're off the pea plates. So eh? you've done it all before. Now you're always learning, Ryan. Always learning. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to know anything else about Riverview Church, you can find us on social media. Our handle is at Riverview Online, or you can head to our website, riverviewchurch.com.au. If you want to reach out to us personally, you can find us at podcast at riverviewchurch.com.au. Everybody in here that's on the verge of a breakthrough, give God a rain dance right now.